0: Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Our text this morning is in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 to 8. And to express our faith in the Word of God, may I invite you to stand with me as you flip to the page of your Bible as we express that the Bible is indeed the Word of God, inerrant, authoritative, inspired, infallible, and meant to be heard throughout the world. 2 Corinthians 3, 1-18. Are we beginning to command ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, But our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. May the reading and the hearing of God's word add blessing to the preaching of God to the preaching of God's word today, let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for gathering us once again. Lord, we confess that we have stony hearts that, that does not easily accept everything that we, that you want us to hear. We are full of dust of earth. Our hearts are consumed by the cares of each one of us. We are led to the many pleasures, O God. To the point, Lord God, that it is also Continuously and gradually shaping, our, shaping who we are. Lord, we come to you and begging for your mercy, begging for your grace to come and quicken each one of us and cause us indeed, O oh Lord, to come alive in you once again and be able, O oh Lord, to renounce, all our idols to renounce, Lord God, everything, Lord God, that our hearts, after all, are pursuing and come to Christ rushingly, O Lord, without any hesitation and give our all to Him. By Your Spirit, accomplish Your will to each one of us today. And bless indeed, Lord God, the hearing and the preaching of your word as the very means lord god to transform us right now O lord and throughout eternity lord we worship you indeed be glorified in jesus name
1: amen and amen please be seated so the philippines as we all
0: know is a tropical country meaning we are we only have at least or generally we have a warm season compared to other countries who have winter so for sure we are not familiar with icicle but we are only familiar with popsicle like the ice cream right but icicle every winter are those water drop formations at least that can be seen in the roofs of every house. You can Google it later. But icicle, again, are those water drop formations that are frozen throughout time. And icicle also, probably for sure we are not familiar again with icicles, but one thing that, is, that we are also need to know is that Icicles are formed not instantly. Icicles are formed one drop at a time. Again, one drop at a time until it is a foot long or so. And also, if the water is clean, the icicle remained clear. And sparkled brightly in the sun, if it is clear. But if the water was slightly muddy, the icicle looked dirty or foul or doesn't look good. And its beauty was spoiled. Just so our characters, our hearts, are formed one little thought or feeling at a time adds to its influence if each though be wrong or if if each though be pure and right the soul will be lovely and will sparkle with happiness but if impure and wrong there will be deformity and wretchedness, there will be deformity and wretchedness. So meaning, just like those icicles that are formed through time, and whenever there are just probably a small amount of dirt that were, that were also included in the icicle, it doesn't look good at all. I borrowed this in illustration, by the way, from Ellen Foster, but in terms of becoming like Christ, becoming like Christ, a constant gaze at his glory, meaning regular, a constant gaze at his glory leads us to become like him, from one degree of glory to another through the work of the Spirit. If there is at least one aim for us as a church, it must be our gradual conformity to the likeness of Christ. And if there is one concern that we should exert more effort on, it must be keeping that gaze of each one always in Christ. I entitled our message today in 2 Corinthians 3 1 to 18, Into the Glorious Christ. Into the Glorious Christ. So let's look at our text today. So here, as we have read earlier, Corinthians. Was a, is a letter written by Paul to the people in Corinth. And this letter reflects, Paul is reflecting the past issues. Remember, this is second, so-called second letter to the Corinthians. And in this letter again, he is reflecting the past issues that he dealt before. Especially when he addressed them through a letter in First Corinthians but also along with the new ones here in the second letter. First Corinthians, to, to, for us to know the difference, First Corinthians was written to call the believers to be one with each other. First Corinthians was written so that the believers will be united with each other, while 2 Corinthians was written to encourage the church to be one with him in his ministry to be one with him to be one with Paul in his ministry so that being said it shows us that there is a great there's a great tension at least from Paul because this because these people are really rejecting Paul as probably a official minister sent from the council of Jerusalem he is probably he even in his skills in his personality in the way in the way he speaks he is not passing in the Standards or requirements of the Corinthian people. There are people that challenges and and opposes his apostleship, his ministry, and again, his rhetorical skills, his speaking skills. And though there are issues that Paul also addressed, of course, but majority, Paul is addressed, is defending his ministry in this letter, there are also other issues his confidence and sufficiency in Christ elevates how we should regard the gospel ministry. The gospel ministry. So though the believers in Corinth are Gentiles at large, so meaning, if we may say also, Corinth is one of the main cities in Greece and composed of pagan people. And I think uh, D. A. Carson is describing that city in Corinth is like, or the church in Corinth is like a church in Las Vegas. So imagine this kind of church. But again, at large, they are Gentile people, so meaning non-Jewish people. But some of Paul's opponents are Jewish, still Jewish in nature, or at least shaped by the beliefs of the Jews. Especially if we will, in reading chapter 3, we can sense somehow that these people are, are relying still in the mosaic law, in the law of Moses. That's why Paul is trying to compare the superiority of the new covenant against the old covenant. Paul contended that he is a minister of the new covenant, which is not only exceedingly greater than the old, but one that truly brings an ever-increasing transformation in the believers and also in the community of faith. So the superiority, yes, of the new covenant, not only that, but Paul is telling to this, to his opponents, that only the new covenant brings an ever-increasing transformation in the lives of every believer. And as I'm saying that, this is the message that we are always and always preaching and teaching in the church to the point that probably we have lost the sense of what it can do to every believer. I'm afraid also that probably, and this is really a reality, that for some, there's still a veil that still remains unlifted for us to see how glorious Christ is. And if there's a veil, I'm afraid that there's no transformation at all in each one. So established by the message of the gospel, Paul upheld the worth of serving the people in the body of Christ given the present reality of what it does to each one that goes beyond its religiosity. In other words, Paul is defending and upholding the worth of being a minister of the new covenant because what it does again, it, is, it brings An ever-increasing transformation in the lives of the people beyond religiosity, beyond the usual things that we do for God. So in preaching this text, in preaching this text, our prayer is that we, we as a church, will continually be grounded in the precious and sufficient work of the Holy Spirit to transform us more and more into the glorious humanity of Christ as we take pleasure in Him constantly. So there are three things that we can draw out from the text pertaining to the kind of service that shapes the community of faith under the New Covenant. In verses 1 to 6, it tells us about the life-giving service that should take place. Life-giving service. In verses 7 to 11, it tells us about the righteous, righteousness-bringing service. Righteousness bringing service. And in verses 12 to 18, it tells us
1: about the Christ transforming service. I'm emphasizing,
0: I am wording it like service, because again, the context here is that Paul is defending his ministry. And what kind of ministry that should take place? Or what is the appointed ministry that God, under the new covenant, really seeks to happen? So first, in verses 1 to 6, life-giving service. Now again, Second Corinthians, especially chapter 3 the main aim of Paul is to address, right? let's stick to that, is to address those believers that seeks a proof of endorsement from the Jerusalem Council whose orientation are also Jewish by nature. So these people, part of the Corinthian community of believers, are oriented to the teachings of the Mosaic law to the Pharisees, let's say, in their learnings, or at least in their convictions, they are treating Paul as if Paul is still like those people that are only dependent in such recommendation from the authority of the Jewish council, let's say. So, we can observe this, let's say, as Paul is presenting his case, right? He is presenting his case in Jewish context. Because he is quoting the event of Moses. He is quoting the Old Covenant against the New Covenant. In Jewish context, especially in highlighting the difference between the old
1: and the new covenant. So, in taking a stand against the experts in their time,
0: think about are you familiar? Are you probably for the millennials, you know TED Talk? So, you buy in there, TED Talk, they're like, they're featuring. Prominent speakers, which Joshua Harris also were able to be part of it. Talking about certain topics, wherein they their experts of it. Think about people, these kind of people that are creeping in the churches, in the believers, showing their skills, showing how good they are in speaking, entertaining people in their intellect entertaining captivating the hearts of the people through their to the knowledge that they are sharing and gaining from them as if it is a show for them to attend for them
1: to be part of and they will benefit from the teaching paul is drawing a line
0: That they, that Paul, and with the other apostles, he is drawing a line that we are not entertainers. We are not entertainers that showcases intellect or eloquence and then charges the crowd for it.
1: In chapter 2, verse 17, we can see that. We are not peddlers of God's Word. We are not like only using the word of God
0: for our gain. We are men of sincerity. We are commissioned by God. In the sight of God,
1: we speak in Christ. Paul is separating himself with the other apostles,
0: with the other apostles from such people, affirming that Paul. And the other apostles have divine charge from God to speak plainly and nothing but Christ. Nothing but Christ, but more superior than any wisdom. More superior than the wisdom throughout the ages. So persuaded by their culture, these opponents of Paul
1: are legalistic in nature. It's like, where's your paper, Paul?
0: Show us some evidence demanding a letter of recommendation to show that Paul is indeed commissioned by the leaders in Jerusalem. And because if you will not show any evidence, Paul, we will treat
1: you as an imposter. You're not a real messenger. Since they themselves
0: have commendatory letters. Because these people are, let's say, we also have, we have letters on our own. Where, where's your letter, Paul? Paul then responded in verse 1
1: in our text saying, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need,
0: as some do, like you, letters of recommendation
1: to you or from you is like is it worthy of any response even
0: patulan yung mga hinihingi nyo to be fair right to be fair prior the conversion of paul he is highly recommended by the by the group of pharisees because he is an assassin, if we can recall the life of Paul before. He is so passionate in the law to the point that he wants to kill those who are in the way pertaining to Christ. So he himself has those many letters of recommendation to show, actually, if these people are Jewish. These opponents apparently carried letters right not from the apostles the opponents of paul they are in the corinthian church they are also christians but they are still like the judaizers who are still relying so much in the mosaic law apparently these people were not commissioned by the apostles because if we will treat the jerusalem council Right? So Jerusalem, and far from Jerusalem is the Church of Corinth, which is pagan city or Gentile people. The leaders of Christianity in their time are the apostles. The twelve, or the so-called pillars, or actually the so-called pillars are James, Peter, I think, and John, let's say. They're the pillars. And these people do not have any letters of recommendation from the apostles. But only to the group of Pharisees in
1: Jerusalem. Right. So think about what they're doing. So these opponents,
0: yes. But when these people seek apostolic commendation and proof, from a preferred authority, Paul's letter of recommendation is testified by the lives of the Corinthian believers who serve as the living evidence
1: for Paul's authentic apostleship. That's why, oh, you need proof that I am an apostle? Of Christ? Look at these people. Look what they have become. Look on their lives. Who do
0: you think is the true apostle in terms of the result of my
1: ministry? In terms of the message that I am proclaiming? They can testify and they And they are the living evidences that I am indeed an apostle. Paul
0: said in verse 2 to 4, You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts. This is a good imagery. Because like this paper, like this copy that I have is printed by my printer. But the letter of recommendation of Paul, yeah, of Paul is written in the hearts of the Corinthians. And if I may, if we, let's continue, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, not from any apostles, but directly from Christ, delivered by us. Written not with any ink. Not written by the ink of my printer, let's say, but with the ink of the Spirit of the living God. Of if I may also say, or not on the tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Right in the heart. It's like tattooed. In the heart of these people. Not written by any ink, but by the Spirit Himself. Think about it. I love the imagery because in the tablets of Moses, it is written, yes, written by the hand of God. Right? Written by the hand of God. The tablets of stone of Moses. But the big difference is it is not written in the tablets of stone but in the heart of the Corinthian believers. So in contrast, that's why I'm telling you these people are like Jewish in learning because they understand the Mosaic Law and Paul is using that means for them to understand the greatness of his ministry. In contrast, To the reliance of his opponents on the Mosaic law, Paul used imagery that gives prominence to the kind of letter that is not merely written by God, not merely written by God on tablets of stone, but on the very hearts of men, wrought or worked out by the Spirit of the living God, as authored by Christ Himself. Authored by Christ Himself. So it implies that the Corinthians are part of the new covenant community, which is the direct fulfillment of the prophecies by Jeremiah and Ezekiel. So again, stick to the Jewish context. They know those prophecies. They, they are, they know the new covenant there are actually community of Jews in the time of Paul that are assuming that they are the
1: new covenant community. But here, the Corinthian believers, these people are the direct fulfillment of the prophecies
0: of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And that prophecy, that prophecy, tells them that the Lord will write His law in the hearts of His people and the Lord will put His Spirit so that they may be able to live for Him and live out His commands. Paul is like presenting a letter of recommendation that is more authoritative than their letters of recommendation in the evidence of the work
1: of God in the lives of the Corinthian people. Paul is is dealing them in accordance to the results of their ministries.
0: And for Paul, look at the lives of these people.
1: Look at the lives or the hearts of these people. Amazing. Continuing, Paul in verse 4 to 6, he said, Such
0: is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as to
1: claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God. There are good rhetorical people that you regard, but they are not commended by God. But
0: we are commissioned by God. Our sufficiency is from God and not in anything that we have not
1: in any goodness that we have. Our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient. How
0: I want to extend my study here, I want to learn about that word sufficient. Maybe there's more weighty word in Greek that they are like sufficient enough being made complete as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter here is like a play of words pertaining to the the law. But of the Spirit. For the letter kills. Just like the law of Moses that cannot make anyone alive to God. Or much more, a ministry of condemnation. So-called ministry of condemnation. But the Spirit
1: gives life. Paul apparently is more hitting, again, in the results of his ministry, but much more
0: in the kind of life that the Corinthian community of
1: believers have become. Paul's confidence is established in Christ
0: and his competence is built up by God.
1: Wow, talk about such confidence. It was all by the divine enabling
0: And not by any natural skill or personal initiative.
1: Paul specifies that they are ministers of the new covenant that gives life.
0: Compared to the old covenant that is lifeless, when he is, when he is emphasizing life, probably he's also like hitting on his opponents with regards to the results of the lives of people that they are, let's say, trying to win. It is lifeless and only meant to lead us to Christ. I'm talking still about the old covenant. Lifeless at all and only meant to lead us to Christ. Because in Romans 10.4, Paul is saying that the end of the law is Christ. The law is the dead, the dead end for all human. You cannot go any further. But you will meet at the end, Jesus Christ, as your very need. You need a Savior. Because you cannot perfect the law. Christ is waiting for you at the end to realize that you need His righteousness. And Paul is telling that the new covenant in Christ Jesus is the one that really brings life to the people. Paul sets forth throughout the co- all community of faith under the dispensation, don't be triggered, of the new covenant, meaning period, of the new covenant, that our service to everyone is much commended by its life-giving nature flowing
1: from christ and caused by the spirit to put it simply in our time today since
0: christ came the unfolding of the of the new creation when christ fulfilled the work on the cross for our salvation, the renewal of all things is started already and continues to take effect to everyone who believes in Him. Church, we are under the new covenant and it is meant to bring life to each one of us. We are privileged We have every opportunity to give all our energy for this very purpose, and not for anything else. To bring life to everyone who is dead in sin. This must be the nature of our service to each one in the church. When, talk, when I'm using the word service related to so-called ministry, because ministry is like already abuse term, like be, just like doing it for the sake of ministry, for the sake of doing it for the church. But after all, we're not really looking after, we're not looking after the results of change in the lives of people. We are not after the transformation of the people. What I'm trying to say is, just like Paul, in emphasizing the life of the people, our service must breathe life in our soul, in our intellect, in our conscience, in our actions,
1: and in our whole being, beyond any doctrines that we can know. You may
0: recite the Shorter, Westminster Shorter Catechism, but lifeless
1: at all. No change at all. You may have read the Bible year after year still dead before God.
0: Beyond all of these things that we can do, beyond the activities, the obligations that we need to fulfill instead, beyond the obligations that we need to fulfill, instead, these things that we do are sucking life out of us.
1: Mas kinukuha yung buhay natin kay Kristo. Magbigay buhay sa atin. So may it be that our aim is to give life
0: to the people, to the people that we serve, more than filling up the checklist, our checklist, because the only meal, let's say if we will go to a good restaurant, we are after the best seller. There's no bestseller, but the only meal that we want to serve to everyone in our church is the truth of Christ
1: and brought to life by the Spirit. I hope I can expound more in that. But
0: the second kind of service that we can see here from Paul, in verses 7 to 11, is the righteousness bringing service. Righteousness bringing service. So Paul continues to develop in the remainder of the chapter, in the remainder of the chapter, until verse 18, the superiority of the new covenant. So in verses 7 to 11, Paul's argument here is, is structured in the understanding, okay? Uh, verses 7 to 11, the way Paul presented it's like the technique of the, of the rabbinic, of the rabbites during that time. I think I, we encountered this in our doctoral class, mentioned by John Murray. For theory something... Meaning, a kind of presentation wherein he is using an analogy of lesser to greater. Lesser to greater, not contrast. So, it reads in verse 7 to 9, verse 7 to 9, If the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory right that the israelites could not gaze at moses face because of its glory which was being brought to an end will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory for if there was glory in the ministry of the condemnation of the, of condemnation the ministry of righteousness must far
1: exceed it in glory Simply put, it's like the Old Covenant, Paul is saying, there is glory in the Old Covenant. But there is much glory in the New Covenant.
0: To the point that the Old Covenant is being eaten by the New Covenant and it it is gone. So when Moses, recalling, because Paul is leading us to the narrative of the of moses event when he met god in mount sinai remember moses met yahweh in mount sinai the place where moses received the ten commandments so when moses received the two tablets of stone where god wrote his ten commandments he carried with him yes he is carrying the two tablets of stone descending down descending in the, from the mountain descending in the mountain he is also carrying ra- the radiance of god's glory i don't know but if you will go right now in the open air under the sun and then you go back here i don't know if you will radiate the glory of the sun Pero pawis na pawis ka, ka. May nangyari, right? May effect. But the radiance of God's glory were also being carried by Moses as he went down from the mountain. And imagine, the Israelites cannot gaze directly in the glory that Moses possessed. I'm already telling it right away. But we can find it in Exodus 34, 29 to 30, and it's, we can directly know from here. It says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, okay, from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone Because he had been talking with God. I think in other verses from here, talking as if
1: talking to a friend. Moses did not notice. Aaron, the high priest in the time,
0: and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. This is a play of imagery from Paul in using this event because the effect of the Israelites in the glory that Moses possessed is not boldness at all. They were afraid as a result. Right? So now let's go back to how Paul used that imagery. The glory in the face
1: of Moses is still bound to fade later. It says again
0: in in verse 7, in the last phrase, which was brought to an end. Meaning, Moses, in the glory that he carried, irradiating it, they're saying that the moment moses is going far from the presence of god sooner or later it will fade away it is not lasting it will not last paul's usage of this event portrays
1: that in the hands of moses is the old covenant it's explicit it's clear he has the old covenant whose glory
0: is fading away. So, it's actually confusing, but we have to rely on Paul's argument because he is trying to say, he's not talking about the glory of Moses. But the picture is, the old covenant has glory. Just like Moses, the glory of Moses from God is fading away, the old covenant also
1: sooner or later is fading away or actually will fade away, will be brought to an end. Because all it brings is death and condemnation, that another covenant must come to replace it and bring righteousness to all and really bring holiness to all.
0: So Paul continued in verse 10 to 11. Paul said, Indeed. In this case, what once had glory
1: has has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it.
0: For if what has been brought to an end, the old covenant, came with glory, much more will what is
1: permanent, have glory. So again, the difference between the old and the new covenant. Paul, Paul is not diminishing
0: the glory of the old covenant, as I have said earlier, from lesser to greater. He is not diminishing that the old covenant has no glory at all. Plainly as that. But, It it has no glory later on because the new covenant surpassed the glory. The greater glory
1: of the new covenant that will never fade away. That will never fade away. And think about this. I asked this, I said yesterday,
0: I want to Google it to make sure. But I asked Joy. and probably a normal person, what do you think? The moon has its brightness. The moon at night.
1: But does the moon have brightness in the day? What do you think? Is the moon also disappearing or still there but can no longer be seen because of the brightness of the sun? I hope Google will answer, yes, you're correct. But I think the moon can no longer be
0: seen because of the glory of the sun. When
1: after all, the brightness of the moon have its source from the sun also. Given that picture,
0: our time today under the New Covenant has a surpassing and even greater glory than the time of Moses or in the the time of the Israelites. Paul's service to the believers in administering the New Covenant worked out by the Spirit is far greater in glory since it brings forth
1: righteousness. It is the only It is the only means for
0: every people that are dead in sin to come alive in the Lord by the spirit and yielding fruits of righteousness and producing holiness after all.
1: I didn't write wrote it here but Romans 16 what do you hold that. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation
0: for those who believe in it. First for the Jews and to the Greeks, and in it the righteousness of God is revealed.
1: That everyone should live, that all the righteous should live by faith. It tells us, in the new covenant, Or simply put, the gospel. The gospel is the very means not only to save us, but to produce holiness in our lives.
0: The new covenant worked out by the Spirit is far greater in glory, since it brings forth righteousness, which is the goal of the triune
1: God. For known predestined, called, justified, glorified. It is
0: the goal of the triune God to restore us into their image, and much more in the image of His Son, into the divine image flowing from our union with Christ. That's another theological reality. We're in. we are being changed because we are united with Christ. We are united with Him. This righteousness is expected
1: for every believer. Or no believer, no one can say they're a believer, but does not really show any fruits of righteousness or holiness.
0: Every believer is expected to have results of righteousness in their lives as we walk the path of sanctification. But the sanctification, by the way, is from the moment you believe in Christ throughout eternity. The process of changing will not happen overnight.
1: Not even for some years. But for some, maybe 20 years or 30 years. But
0: until the time the Lord will renew all things, we will really become exactly like the image of Christ. That is throughout eternity. But it is constantly happening. That's sanctification. Yet, sanctification still takes place by grace and true faith. Meaning, it also requires, that also requires study, prayer, and conscious effort maybe you will brand me as if hey you're talking about works here i quoted this i referred i referred to reform study bible here okay so i'm just trying to make sure that i'm not imposing
1: works here dane ortland he has this new book deeper and how I wish I can
0: put that into price next week, I hope. But he's commenting in his book, he said, Christian growth is bringing what you do and say, is bringing what you do and say, and even feel into line. It's like there is a line sa jalibi, let's say you're falling into line properly. In falling into line with what, in fact, you are, you already are. So meaning Chris, Christian growth is like you are already being made holy by God
1: in Christ Jesus. Christian growth is always falling into line in that reality.
0: You're not going away from it, but you're sticking into, into that path, because you are already being. Changed by God
1: in Christ. I don't need to go out and find something to add to what I already have in
0: order to grow in Christ. The message of the New Testament is that you have everything you need right now. As someone united to Christ and indwelt by the Holy Spirit with an open
1: Bible in front of you. You have everything you need. You have everything
0: you need. All you need to do is to enjoy it, go deeper in it, relish it, spend time with it, and grow thereby. The message of his book, Deeper, is not like, what do I need to do deeper Oh, memorize the shorter catechism. Oh, study about theology or attend this and do that, and you will grow. It's not merely about doing those things, but to go deeper and deeper to your understanding of the gospel until you are gradually changing out of it. Deeper and deeper in your affection towards Christ, deeper and deeper towards your devotion to Christ, and enjoying who He is. Tom Wright or anti Wright also says that yes, we have the Spirit in us,
1: yet the fruits are not automatically produced. Just like every tree. Do you think every tree that is, of course, existing, can you expect a fruit from a tree every day? Just like every tree
0: at least need to be tended, need to be pruned, need to be nurtured, to produce fruits, so are the fruits of the Spirit will be produced in us as we walk by the Spirit through all the means available for us. So meaning, no fruit will simply pop up without a conscious effort to rely always in the Spirit until it yields the so-called fruits of the Holy Spirit in you. A constant reliance in the Holy Spirit and in Christ will bear you fruits of righteousness. So as a church, as a church, our desire is indeed to let our love for Christ Produce in us
1: righteousness. Produce in us righteousness. It's not that we will end up, we love you, Lord. They're saying, words are cheap. Words are cheap. Love is a verb. It must be shown.
0: If you really love me, Jesus said in John, I think chapter 10, 15, if you love me, you will obey my
1: commands. If you love me, you will abide in me. If you love me, you will do what I say. If you don't, just, he's like, I
0: think, pertaining to Judas, you will be gone sooner. As a church, our desire is to let that love for Christ produce righteousness. As we constantly rely on the gospel, may we all seek to serve one another by faithfully drawing each one in the gospel deeper and deeper and never be exhausted in it. For all, for we all shall bear the righteousness of Christ. Every believer is expected to produce such righteousness from Christ. And the vision for the church is for us to help one another to to draw each one continuously. Come on, let's go. Stick to the gospel. Stick to
1: the gospel. Let's grow together here, here. Paul gives a sharper
0: focus on the next passages. So in the last point in our sermon, in verses 12 to 18, Paul tells us about Christ-transforming service. Christ-transforming service. So Paul continued
1: in verses 12 to 16, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold.
0: This is another, this is another illustration, at, let's say, still using the imagery of Moses at Mount Sinai. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ, it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses, now, Moses is like here, law personified by Moses. Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. There is a covering. But when one turns to the Lord, to Christ,
1: the veil is removed. Referring still, again, Paul
0: is still using that imagery. Referring still to the glory that Moses is radiating after he had met with the Lord. Now here, Paul gives an emphasis. Paul gives more emphasis on that glory. On the glory again. But more emphasis pertaining to the transformation that the new covenant, Rings. Earlier, when we read Exodus
1: 34, the effect of the Israelites, Aaron, and the people, they're afraid. They're afraid. So, here, for Paul, okay, Moses is the type of Jesus
0: in the Old Testament. Okay? In theological studies or biblical studies, it's like typology. You're trying to see David as the type of Jesus in the Old Testament. That's why Matt chandra is saying, you are not David. Do you know that? Anyway, so, Moses is the type of Jesus in the Old Testament where both Jesus and Moses brings an effect to the people When these people are gazing at their glory, at their glory. So meaning, the Israelites are looking to Moses, there
1: is an effect. People are looking to Jesus in his glory, there is also an effect. In order to protect the Israelites,
0: to be blinded by the rejecting glory of Moses, it says that Moses, not the Israelites by the way, Moses is the one covering his face. Because for some, like me, I thought it's the Israelites who are covering their face. But Moses, the one covering, putting the veil, so that these people will not be blinded. He would put a veil over his face. But Paul is describing that the Israelites are gazing on its glory that is set to fade away. Which, kanina, that's also the situation. Right, pertaining to the glory of Moses that is fading away. Paul is describing, describing in this story that the Israelites could not even
1: look to Moses and see its glory. So meaning, imagine if Moses is putting a veil in his face, probably totally covered,
0: somehow the Israelites will not see the glory. Right? You will not see the glory. So, meaning, they are not really seeing the glory at all.
1: To add into it, the glory that Moses possessed is set to fade away.
0: Some commentators are saying that Moses intended to hide its glory. Intended to hide its glory not simply because they will be blinded. Because Moses is ashamed.
1: Or he knew, I think in the text, Moses knew, Moses knew that the
0: glory that he possessed, let's say the old covenant, is set to fade away. Kaya tinatago niya. Sinasabi ng commentators, nahihiya si Moses. They are unable to see They are unable to see the greater glory in the new covenant because there is still a veil that covers their sight. And only by turning to Christ, the veil will be lifted. Paul is saying that these people
1: who are still reading the law, there will be no glory at all or it is being veiled The only way
0: for them to see the glory is Christ by the Spirit. Paul further expounded, continuing in verses 17 to 18, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, in verse 17, it begins with, Now the Lord is the Spirit. To give us at least three possible interpretations, How do you understand that? There is a person of the Spirit. There is a person of the Son. There is a person of the Father. The Spirit is Christ. What do you think? So there are at least three possible interpretations. It can either mean, according to Sinclair Ferguson, it can either mean from the Spirit of the Lord, from the Spirit of Christ, or... From the Lord, who
1: is the Spirit, or from the Lord of the Spirit. It's very crucial. That's why
0: interpretations are very crucial because it because the meaning theologically will affect our understanding in our life. He says, Sinclair Ferguson is saying that the third interpretation is the most theologically correct, meaning from the Lord of the Spirit. Paul then is saying, in effect, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Spirit. Herman Bavinck also says that the Holy Spirit has become entirely the property of Christ. It is from Christ. And was so to speak absorbed into Christ, or assimilated by Him. In some sense, the Spirit is the Spirit
1: of Christ. Yet, the triune God are still distinct in persons. It tells us
0: then that whenever the Spirit of Christ takes possession
1: of the heart of a man, that man is set free. This is a reality. The Spirit of Christ
0: dwelling literally in each one of us. Not only abstract, in an abstract sense, like only a picture in the mind, but it is a reality dwelling in every believer, making us alive and changing us. Again, this is the spirit of Christ. And I love FF Bruce when he described the Apostle Paul in, in using 2 Corinthians
1: 3:17. Paul is the apostle of the heart set free. The apostle of the heart set free. It
0: happened to him. And his message is to liberate also those who are in bondage, enslaved by sin. Now, Paul, in the last verse, in verse 18, we are now in the last verse, in the last verse, Paul is summing up the very point of the whole chapter. The very point of the whole chapter regarding the superiority of the new covenant. His service to the community of those who belong to Christ, the Christian community, His service is more glorious for it brings everyone to an ever-increasing
1: transformation into the glorious humanity of Christ. And in literal analysis let's say, the main verb here is being transformed. As we behold Christ. That's the participle. So meaning, through
0: our beholding in Christ. And the beholding is in a progressive state. It continues. It continues. You are transformed more and more and more and more. As you behold continuously in Christ. This progressive and gradual, little by little, the,
1: the good interpretation of ESV is one degree of glory to another. Whenever
0: we reflect, there is transformation gradually taking shape in each one of us. Whenever we reflect on the glory of Christ in His crucified and resurrected life, But indeed, this all comes from the Spirit of the Lord, who is, or from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, as a church, as a church, what should occupy our intentions in serving each one is not merely to bring our gaze to Christ. Yes, in serving one another, we want to bring their gaze to Christ.
1: But it's not only that. We want to protect that gaze. We want to fight at all costs to bring the gaze of each one to Christ. To toil
0: in this. To bring all our energies into
1: this. We cannot change the people, but we can bring them to gaze in Christ. Our transformation,
0: our transformation is highly dependent on our gaze to Christ.
1: For crying out loud,
0: Dependent on our gaze to Christ on a regular basis.
1: That we are, because we are all prone to wonder, to leave the God that we love. There are many attentions calling our gaze, and we are prone to shift away. Or to drift away from Christ. Whenever you drift away, the transformation is being hindered. Literally. Because the
0: psalmist even, in Psalm 115, that those who make their idols become like them. Lifeless like them. So whenever you gaze on other objects other than Christ, who are idols outside from Christ, you also become like them. This season in our lives, talking about the pandemic,
1: in our lives alone could be the most difficult valley that we are treading. Many lives were taken. Services, we cannot gather easily. We're dependent online. We are
0: led to many issues. Our work is
1: really taking a toil, even if you are at home. Psychologically draining us. This season in our lives
0: could be the most difficult valley that we are treading. And we as a church should all the more serve one another to make sure that we are all together gazing in the Lord
1: and fighting for our glorious transformation in Christ. All the more. And I want to be fair also. Because this is the
0: reality of the people in the Bible. So as we come to a close, throughout the Scriptures, whenever the people of God are in need of rescue, or they are living in tribulation, God changes the
1: hearts of His people by lifting up their gaze to see His glory. God revealed His glory to Moses as they journey to Canaan through the wilderness. Job, he said in the end, I heard you by the hearing of my ears, but now my eyes see you. David, in his psalms, always yearns for God. My soul thirsts for you, as in a dry and weary land. Why is he in the wilderness? Because he is being
0: he is being followed or hunted by his enemies.
1: And kanina siya pumupunta sa Panginoon. In the year when the Israel's great king, Uzziah, died, Isaiah saw the holiness of God. For them, their dependence is the king.
0: Pag namatay yung leader nila, their world is also put into disorder or into chaos. But the Lord lifted up the vision of
1: Isaiah, Hey, I am the one who is really reigning. Look at me. I'm the real king here. Isaiah saw that vision, and he saw himself undone. When the Israelites were captivated by their enemies in exile, God revealed himself and his purposes
0: to Ezekiel and Daniel in visions. And I'm reading Daniel and Ezekiel, of course, after Ezekiel, Daniel.
1: There are expressions like masyadong napagod si Ezekiel because of the vision. Or Daniel. At that time, when Jesus, in, at the time when Jesus came here on earth, so intersecting throughout history the appointed time for Him to come, Nicodemus,
0: seeking for deeper understanding of the Scripture, went to Jesus at night Not not automatically transformed, but he found himself helping Joseph of Arimathea when Jesus died. He was present at the time, and in that picture, after all, he is believing that Jesus is indeed the
1: Messiah. In his death, in that glory, the soldier. Who is guarding Jesus on the cross? When there was an earthquake, he confessed, Truly, this
0: is the Son of God in seeing his suffering. The two men on the road to Emmaus were deeply troubled for their hopes on the Messiah and was radically transformed when Jesus opened their eyes to see that he is, the, he is not really dead, but has risen.
1: The disciples, seeing the Ascension and the Pentecost, were fueled to spread the gospel, even under persecution. Stephen saw the glory of the Lord while being stoned to death.
0: John the Beloved saw the divine warrior Christ in glory in the island of Patmos and saw visions of what the Lord will do in the last days so that the believers will be strengthened. The saints throughout the dark years of the church After the apostles, after the apostolic age, the dark years, many years, blinded by the truth of the gospel, later on in the time of the great reformation confessed, post-tenabras, looks. After darkness,
1: light. Because the gospel was lifted. The Spirit-filled churches today
0: who see the light of the gospel, are continuously transformed. And this glorious ministry continues till our Lord Jesus comes and reign with us. So we confess, we all, with unveiled face, we all together with Paul, seeing the glory of the Lord beholding it, and
1: gradually being transformed into His likeness by the Spirit. With all of it, here's the simple message of our preaching today.
0: The effectiveness of our service to each one is not validated by mere systems or bold efforts or audacious efforts, but by the constant desire of each one for the glory of Christ transformed by the Spirit. Meaning, it is validated by the lives of each one of us who are so into Christ. It is not validated by the goodness of our setup. It is not validated by the goodness of how we organize things. It is validated by Each one always wanting Christ in their lives.
1: As we step into another year, starting next Sunday, as Cruciform Life
0: Church, may everything we do boil down to nothing but to serve one another to be transformed into the glorious image of our crucified
1: and resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this truth in your word that is not only meant for us to Study that is not only meant for us to scrutinize, that is not only meant for us to feed our intellectual needs, but is meant to cause us to come to life in you, is meant to call us deeper and deeper. To love Christ is meant to call us, O oh Lord, to rely on nothing but on the message of
0: the gospel. For this is far greater and superior than
1: any wisdom of the world. For it's only by it, O oh Lord, that fallen humanity
0: will be restored into the glorious image of you, O God.
1: This is our faith. We are banking on it for the rest of our lives. Lord, thank you, and we worship you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode
0: of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.